On this edition of the 30 Rock Podcast, we're featuring the classic REM album, Out of Time. Shiny. When we think back 30 years ago to 1991, we think about the year that grunge broke and the alternative revolution driven by bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden began. But there was one band who paved the way for the music industry shakeup, and when they crashed through to the mainstream in early 1991, it wasn't off the back of a Marshall stack. It was a song that was driven by a mandolin. I do remember that Peter Buck was tired of being a guitar hero and he didn't want to play electric guitar. So he started experimenting with different acoustic instruments and folk instruments, including the mandolin. I'm Liam Renton and this is 30 Rock, the podcast that reckons all the best music comes from 30 years ago. REM got their start in Athens, Georgia, when in 1979, guitarist Peter Buck, multi-instrumentalist Mike Mills, drummer Bill Berry and vocalist Michael Stipe came together to perform at a friend's party. Now, throughout the 80s, REM had built a cult following off the back of relentless touring, quality songwriting and albums that stand up to this day. This one goes out to the one I love. In 1987, they enjoyed some chart success when The One I Love broke into the top 10 of Billboard singles charts and the major labels came a-knocking. 1989 had seen their major label debut, Green, certified platinum, with the band supporting the album on an almost year-long world tour. But by the end of 1989, the band were exhausted and ready for a change. If anything, you know, we went on this long tour. It was nine months, which was a long time to be traveling. And it's very difficult to write new songs. We came out with two songs in that much time period. And, and so I think when we got home, got rested a little bit, we were all dying to get this, this new stuff out. So we went in and wrote um, 28 songs. The record would be named Out of Time, and not only would the album propel them into the mainstream, the band would also go on to win three Grammys, including Best Alternate Music Album. And this time we wrote a bunch of songs that just seemed, well, first of all, it seemed less of a guitar record. So it, there's a lot more emphasis on keyboards and vocals and strings. And I personally wanted to make kind of a more Baroque sounding record for a long time. It's, it's, it's a real diverse record. There are some incredibly pop songs and there's some dark, slow songs. Uh, it's it's going to be a shock for a lot of people, I think. That was Peter Buck and Mike Mills speaking to MTV in 1990 as they mixed their as-yet-untitled album in Prince's Paisley Park Studios. Out of Time was preceded by the first single, Losing My Religion, which in R.E.M.'s own words was a five-minute song without a chorus. It was a move that paid off with Warner Brothers caving into the pressure from R.E.M. and pushing back their pick for the first single, the more upbeat, pop track Shiny Happy People featuring Kate Pearson from the B-52s. The album would go on to become one of R.E.M.'s best love works with another two singles being released, Near Wild Heaven, where bassist Mike Mills took on lead vocal duties and Radio Song featuring rapper KRS-One. What are you saying? What are you To chat more about Out of Time, I'm joined by 30 Rock's resident rock historian, Justin Rulon. What are your memories from the album? This was a game changer in 1991, wasn't it? Absolutely huge. Like I remember uh, seeing the, the video for Losing My Religion come on to um, probably video smash hits as it was then. And it was just something I'd never heard before. Like this mandolin driven song, 
Um, at the time, I had friends who were sort of getting me into alternative music like The Cure and, you know, things from the 80s, and it was just mind-blowing. How would we have described REM at the time? Because they seem and feel pretty mainstream now, but back in 1991, they'd had hits, but they were really an alternative band, weren't they? Well, throughout the 80s, they'd sort of um, gained a lot of um, success on college um, radio airplay throughout America. They'd been signed to an independent label. Um, they'd toured overseas. They'd toured Europe, you know, been on the radio in Europe. So they'd fostered all this kind of underground success. Um, and then um, around 1988, you know, they started getting some traction. Um, you know, Warner Brothers signed them in 1988. They put out Green, their major label debut in 1989. And that's when they first started sort of bubbling up and up and up. But then they put out Out of Time in 1991 and things just go nuts. Because we already knew them, didn't we? We knew them from their other big hit, Orange Crush, which in my memory, was played a fair bit on the radio back in the day. Yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a hit for them, definite hit. Um, Pop Song 89 was another big song off, off of Green. My memory at the time was that once Losing My Religion came out, the previous hits actually became bigger as a result. They probably weren't as big if we remember them, then go, oh, what else did they have? And that's when the back catalogue came into the, the forefront. Um, out of time, it was kind of a reaction to all the stuff they'd done in the 80s. Like, they'd just done this massive world tour, you know, all of 1989, been everywhere, including Australia, um, did some great shows in Australia with the go-betweens, um, and they were just, they were tired, and they wanted to do something fresh. Peter Buck has often talked about wanting to make a Baroque-sounding record, so all of a sudden they start messing around with mandolins, and there's, you know, there's harps caught on there, there's lots of strings. It's completely different to everything they've done in the 80s. Did they fall into mainstream success or were they were they hunting for it? I mean, surely after selling so many albums, they don't regret what happened with that album. But they were quite happy in their alternate bubble. Yeah, but I think they were pretty ambitious. Like I think I think they wanted to do more, and I know they were quite unhappy with their indie label uh, IRS. Um, they kind of felt that um, they weren't sort of pushing them enough, especially overseas. So they wanted a bigger label to kind of you know propel them um, into a bigger market. Talk to me about the success of um, Losing My Religion. It literally blew up overnight. The album then spent 108 weeks on the UK charts, an unheard of amount of time. What was it about this particular song that made the world stop and listen? I don't know. I think it might have even been the video. Like, the video was very, um, very different to what you'd normally see. It's a different sound, driven by the mandolin, but it's a huge sound as well. Like, you listen to the, to the song and it's huge. It is actually really catchy, despite not having a chorus. I know Michael Stipe has compared it to um, Every Breath You Take by The Police. It's kind of like that bit of, um, you're not quite sure if it's a love song, not quite sure if it's sort of this unrequited kind of love. Um, the other thing about Out of Time was, um, I think this album really starts laying the groundwork for what we see later in 1991 with the explosion of bands like you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, that sort of grunge explosion out of Seattle. Um, and although REM are quite different, this is the album that actually lays the platform for, uh, for that alternative sort of revolution. Discuss that with me for a second, because you're one of the few that say they paved the way. I mean, everyone thinks Nirvana's opened the door, 
but you're quite in a strong belief that actually REM were the one that started it for everyone back in the same year. Definitely. I mean, there are other bands too, like Sonic Youth would probably be another another band, um, but definitely REM paved the way for, for what was to come. And just that sort of, that, um, that unrelenting kind of touring that they do throughout the 80s, that sort of college airplay, um, that really set up you know, all those other bands for success. We use terms like being an alternate or an indie band. Um, people forget that they were quite political in their previous albums. This wasn't the case with this album. What were they trying to push for all those years? So Green was very political. They sort of, uh, not jumped onto, but they were part of that sort of big environmental push of the late 80s, you know, the the, the, the hole in the ozone layer, that sort of thing. So, so Green, and they'd always been quite political, like they'd talked about um, the plight of, you know, the American indigenous population, things like that on other albums. Um, so they'd always been quite political, but it was really like, almost like you 2 on, you know, Aktung Baby, there's this big shift, all right, now we're going to just change because we need to, you know, we've been around for 10 years, we need to kind of redevelop who we are. So they start exploring, you know, that almost classical sound, they start exploring country music, which... Um, if you listen to their subsequent album, Automatic for the People, you'll hear a lot more country influences on that one as well. But um, it's just it's a really important album, probably one of the most important of 1991, I think. Look, Losing My Religion was R.E.M.'s biggest hit, but it only peaked at number four on the Billboard charts. The album went higher. The album was in the charts for so long. I, again, would have thought that would have been a number one hit. It wasn't. Yeah, well, I think if you if you sit and listen to the record, I think it's one of those albums that's designed to have you listen to it as a whole. It's not really a bunch of singles that have been slapped together. It's almost like this whole Experience. work that you've got to enjoy. Mm. Well, let's do some fact-checking here. 109 weeks on the US charts, 183 weeks on the British charts. So they had more success in, in the UK than they had in their own home country. I mean, they, they'd had success already overseas. You know, they were quite well-known in Europe on that sort of underground scene um, and probably even more so than maybe even America. Uh, let's talk about their only Grammy win, which was for this album. Do you think they were robbed? Should they have won more Grammys throughout their career or were they, were they deserved of just the one they got? Yeah, I think they definitely should have won more. I mean, I love this album, but I don't actually think it's their best album. In my opinion, I think Automatic for the People is a much better album Um and then I love Monster, which was the album that came in 95 when they flipped the switch and went back to that rock and roll style, you know, turned up the, cranked up the amps to 11. But I really think Automatic for the People should have been more um, successful in that, that area than it was. All right, some interesting facts from the album. Uh, Losing My Religion was recorded in one take. Uh, I've heard the guys talk about this themselves. Michael Stipe actually kicked the entire band out of the studio because he was a bit nervous singing in front of them. He kicked them out. He sang it in one take on his own. This is the weird part. He sang it in nothing but his underpants. He says he was feeling hot at the time, so he stripped down to his undies. For such an iconic tune, what a weird fact. I remember that it was very warm. I took off my shirt. I sang the song in one take, but I stopped the track. So I would sing, stop, catch my breath, sing, stop, catch my breath, sing, stop. But it was one take. And when I finished, I left. I knew that I had done it. I didn't know what I had done, but I knew that it was really good. It shows how talented he was too, 
you know, it's got the backing track there ready to go. They've all recorded their parts. He's just done it in one take. So that was the original version that he sang. You know, it does have that haunting sound to it. He knew what he wanted to do and he nailed it in one go. Yeah, and the other thing too, I think, about Losing My Religion is the backing vocals, which is Mike Mills and Bill Berry. And even Michael Stipe will say they're the best backing vocalists in the world. Mm. Um, There's some really interesting harmonies. sit there and pay attention to it and listen to it, the harmonies on that are just mind-blowing. Let's go to the other big hit on the album that they don't like to talk about very much. I love Shiny Happy People, an amazing song. R.E.M. there have teamed up with Kate Pearson from the B-52s who were off the back of their own number one album. That had so much success the year before in 1990. So when we saw them both team up in the film clip, it's like, that's the girl from B-52s. It was a real novelty to put two of them together, wasn't it? Yeah, and they're both from the same town, Athens in Georgia. Um, the B-52s got their start a few years before R.E.M. It's a college town in America. But Shiny Happy People was, as you said, the song that Warner Brothers wanted as the lead single because it had that classic R.E.M. vibe, you know, the jangly guitar, sort of the, the slightly offbeat kind of lyrics. That was the one they wanted. But they buckled and, and the band said, no, we want Losing My Religion. But um, Peter Buck, I think, is the only member of the band who's on the record as saying they still like the song. I think every other one has slagged it off. Look, they won't play it anywhere. In fact, I've got a quote where Michael has said, um, we dislike this song and he was asked to play it at concerts. He's been saying no since 2003. He says he will never play that song ever again, as is his hate for the song, which is a shame because it's the one song on the album that makes me smile. Uh, you can see it in the film clip. They don't want to be in that film clip. They're doing that film clip through gritted teeth. Yeah, it looks yeah, like they're really not enjoying it. I mean, they're smiling, but they were fake smiles. Maybe that's part of the point of the song, you know. Are people as shiny and happy as they, they make out? Um, fun fact you might want to know, this is the bit I love most about that song, Shiny Happy People, is that it was the original theme song chosen for the sitcom Friends. Mm-hmm. And before Friends got released, they had all these um, versions made, you know, ready to show to producers, and that was the song they'd used in the opening credits. It didn't make it to TV, but can you imagine the juggernaut that is Friends with R.E.M. in the theme song? It'd be a completely different show, wouldn't it? Yeah. Have to be. It would have made them a whole lot more money, but it, would it have cheapened the song? I mean, they hated the song anyway. They didn't care whether it was being used in commercial TV. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they would have cared, but um, I definitely think maybe there's a bit of backlash towards the song because um, it's the song that sticks out on the record. Like, you listen to the whole record and it's the really different it one. It doesn't fit. It does. It Yeah, it doesn't fit. And I know they went with Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers gave them so much more creative control than any other label was going to give them. So maybe there was just that bit of pressure that, hey, we need to have this song on the album. You've kind of got to do it. So maybe that that was the underlying thing. Yeah, make the album you want, but give me – the 11th track has to be Shiny yeah, Happy People. Give me one hit. They barely played it anywhere live. In fact, one of the only known recordings of Shiny Happy People Live was a 1991 appearance on Saturday Night Live. Where they, they got, you know, Katie there with them. They sang it together. You'll barely find any other appearances on YouTube anywhere. They just must have disliked that song so much. Um, go back to the year 1991. Wrap it up for us here, Justin. It changed the game for other bands to come through. Why has this album been so successful 30 years on? It's just one of those classic albums that stands up to the test of time, isn't it? And I, you listen to Losing My Religion now and you put it on 
and it just hits you. Like mm. it's just a great sound. It creeps uh, up on you, that song, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's just a, just a classic sound, um, so well produced. Um, and as I said, very different to anything they'd done in the 80s. Um, this was their reinvention a la U2 sort of style. Um, but just a great record, just great songs, um, well recorded, beautiful playing. Great album. Any of us that listened to the radio or used to buy singles back in the day, were there other songs on the album that were underrated that possibly could have been a top 10 hit or should have been? Um, Country Feedback. I I really like that song. Um, Once again, experimenting with sort of different musical styles there, a bit of country influence. Um, But I I, I loved Near Wild Heaven um, featuring Mike Mills on, on vocals and in some ways I think this is the album that Mike Mills kind of comes to the fore Um, a few years later I don't know if you remember the movie Backbeat which was the story of the fifth Beatles Stuart Mm. Sutcliffe and at the time the mid 90s they put this all star band together and Mike Mills is one of the guys in that band alongside Dave Grohl Thurston Moore people like that Um, I think this is the album where he kind of steps up and I I, I just really love Near Wild Heaven Um, it didn't generate the same amount of success that Losing My Religion did, but still a great song. We're going to leave this podcast every week at the 30 Rock Podcast with one of the bigger hits from the album. So we're going to argue this one out because I've got a feeling you'll want to hear Losing My Religion and my vote is just for shiny, happy people because I have to be in a particular mood to listen to Losing My Religion. What song do you want to end the podcast oh, with? Oh, go on. You win. We're going to do it, shiny, happy yeah. people? Put it on. Look, as we like to say, if an album's not 30 years old, is it really any good? The best albums of all time were released 30 years ago. R.E.M. Out of Time on the 30 Rock Podcast. So